going on? Happy Wednesday. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. And uh, just watching what's happening up on Capitol Hill in the House of Representatives. Uh, the uh, Congresswoman from New York, Elise Stefanik, raised a point of order as the uh, session opened today as they're trying to elect a Speaker of the House. And uh, she said uh, that a quorum is not present. A quorum obviously being uh, two twoums. That, I'm <laughs> sorry. Sorry, it's an old Robert's Rules joke. Okay, not a joke really, but uh, they're they're doing a head count right now as to how many people are there, and if they don't have enough people, then they don't do the vote. So uh, they're trying to wrangle all of the Congress critters back into uh, into the chamber, where I assume we're going to see another round today. I don't know how many, three, maybe four rounds of voting for Speaker of the House, and it's uh, the the conventional wisdom is that they're not going to get anywhere today either. And uh, I saw a report coming out from Washington that they are uh, the staffs of the Congress members are planning to work through the weekend. (laughs) That's how long they expect this now to go. Now, I don't know if that's true. It's all speculative at this point. Um, And again, I'll say what I said yesterday. I am not I have no insight on the the machinations behind what the two different camps are doing i i all i i'm looking at are the the public comments and the uh the news reports so like you and i are to conclude your dog walking forecast should be dry besides maybe that is not me shower to end the day not bad forget i promise you i am not playing a tv feed of uh weather or something whatever that was um so the the, I do have a feed. Oh, there they are. Look at they're they're doing a head count. They're literally like they got the pen in the hand, you know, and they're like the clerks at the front of the room are like doing a head count. One, two, three. They're counting. Really? Is that all right? Yesterday I suggested the clap clock to limit the length of applause. And now I gotta think, can we not install some buttons or something where people sit at their chair? Ooh, maybe like uh uh maybe like like a whoopee cushion kind of a, a thing where like a sensor, not a whoopee cushion. I mean, I guess you could add the whoopee cushion feature into it just for the laughs, but just some sort of a butt sensor. So when you sit in the seat, it registers you as present. How about that? Okay. Yes. Or maybe just a button on the arm of the chair and you're like, I'm here present or something. The North Carolina legislature has this right where you you're in your seat and you have red and green uh, buttons for yes and no, and it goes right up to the big scoreboard so you can see how everybody votes in real time as they cast the vote. And then the clerk shall lock the vote and then they move on. Versus this, which is all roll call, it takes forever, right? There's like 400, there isn't like, there are 435 members of Congress here, and she reads through every one of their names, and it takes forever to do these roll call votes. Which, uh, hang on a second, I do have an email that I received from Matthew. Says uh, Matt says, Pete, a little bad news and good news as you finalize your show prep today. The bad news, it looks like the U.S. House Speaker's vote will continue to be a clown show and make the Republicans look like unorganized boobs. Good news, though, it's a great opportunity for you to spread the use of the term votainer as the multiple rounds of voting commence. Happy New Year, Matt. That's true. 
Hakeem Jeffries, I think, is pretty close to being the votainer in all of these. He's the Democrat. And I got another message uh, from an old colleague of mine um, here at WBT two, two years ago. But hang on a second. Uh, well, I won't read you the message. I was trying to pull it up. But I, I remember what he was talking about. The Black Morgan stereo speakers. It's not a brand name. I'm not talking about audio systems here. This occurred in North Carolina when Jim Black was the Speaker of the House. He was the Democrat from Mecklenburg County, very powerful politician in the state. And he was uh, on the verge of and uh, had lost the speakership because the House had started to turn more Republican. Even though the Republicans weren't in charge, gerrymandering all the maps. Yeah, they were winning races. And it became harder and harder for Jim Black to maintain control. So he cut a deal. He cut a deal with a guy named Richard Morgan. I think he has since passed away. And Richard Morgan had a couple of allies, and they went for Jim Black in the speaker vote in order to get Morgan a dual speaker role. This was like early 2000s. And they were called the stereo speakers because they had two, quote, two speakers, although not really. Like this was some sort of a coalition, right? But it wasn't really because all the Republicans did not, I think they voted for, I want to say it was Leo Daughtry, if I recall correctly, who was trying to be speaker, but I forget. Um, The uh, Richard Morgan and like four or five of his allies, they jumped over and voted for the Democrat candidate because they were going to get stuff. Now that right now, I would like to think in the U.S. Congress, in the House, I would like to think that that is still a remote possibility. Because it's always been a it always is, especially in a close house like this, right? But that possibility, I believe, grows greater with each passing day, with each passing vote, or non-passing vote, I guess. Every time they take a vote, every time they don't have a speaker, the pressure builds because you've got people that were elected that want to do something, right? They're there to do something. And so that pressure keeps building. And so as the pressure builds, you could end up seeing a small, and it doesn't take much. It would just take six, five or six, Essentially, the same size faction that Richard Morgan pulled away from the GOP in North Carolina House politics 20 years ago, it would take just a few. A couple of moderate Republicans in some swing districts, some purplish districts that are worried about you know, not being able to get onto any committees, not being able to fulfill any campaign promises, whatever. And they break away and they join the Democrats and Hakeem Jeffries becomes Speaker of the House. And then that means they control assignments, the committee assignments. They get to appoint whomever they would choose, you know. That's a problem. That's a risk. I'm not saying it's a, it's a big risk at this point. I don't think it is from what all the analysis and the, uh, the pundits and politicians that I've been uh, watching and, and listening to. It doesn't sound like that's a real possibility right now, but it is one. It's out there. That's the threat. So 
What's the exit strategy here? Who gets to pull the ripcord? When does that happen? And that's for both camps here, the 200 and the 20. That's essentially what we're at now, right? We have 200 essentially for McCarthy, and you've got like 20 that are anti-McCarthy. So when do they say, all right, enough is enough. We need to we, we need to govern. We need to launch investigations because a lot of stuff is not happening right now. And that's detrimental to the Republicans and it's beneficial to the Democrats and Joe Biden. Right. Every single day that passes and thousands more people you know, flood across the border. It's another day that Republicans are not, you know, moving towards impeachment of uh, Mayorkas, the DHS guy, or or even Joe Biden. I've got a piece in the stack of stuff here from uh, Andy McCarthy at National Review talking about the Republicans need to impeach Joe Biden over the border catastrophe. Like, you're not doing any investigation on this or the, the big tech censorship. We've got new developments from the Twitter files on this stuff. Every day that we're doing this means we're not doing something else. That's not an argument for Kevin McCarthy. It's an argument for resolution. It's an argument for, for, for something to get settled. And you know me, like I've said this before, I'm totally fine with the Congress that doesn't do anything. <laughs> uh, I'm usually okay with that. However, you got an opportunity to start issuing subpoenas. And these are the rules now. So let's start issuing subpoenas. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The fourth ballot has uh, now been open for U.S. Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy was nominated. Seriously, he was. And Hakeem Jeffries, also seriously, was nominated. And uh, right now we've got Chip Roy, who is uh, speaking. A family man who loves dearly his wife, Erica, his three children, has a proven track record as a businessman, public service in the Florida legislature, and now as a member of the United States Congress. Now, here we are, and for the first time in history, there have been two black Americans placed into the nomination for Speaker of the House. I believe this is Byron Donalds from Florida. However, Madam Speaker, order. Madam, or Madam Clerk, order. We do not seek to judge people by the color of their skin, but rather the content of their character. Byron Donalds. Wow, it's amazing how long it took Democrats to stop laughing at that line from Martin Luther King Jr. It's... Yeah, they're not, they're not applauding. They're not standing. Yeah, a couple of them are now, oh, some of them are now clapping, realizing that, oh, that was MLK. But most of them did not stand. Byron Donalds is a good man raised by a single mom who moved past adversity, became a Christian man at the age of 21, 
and has devoted his life to advancing the cause for his family and for this country. And it is, he has done it admirably. But there's an important reason for nominating Byron. And that is, this country needs a change. This country needs leadership that does not reflect this city, this town that is badly broken. The House of Representatives is the people's house. It represents the entirety of our country and we each represent some 750,000 people. And we come here and it, here we sit in a room filled with those representatives. And my friend, Mr. Gallagher, and he is my friend, and I agree with him on many things. And I agree with almost everything that you were talking about. Gallagher but nominated McCarthy. We should be in here having this kind of a conversation with this many people in the room about Ukraine. And we should debate the merits. And we should debate the ups and downs of being involved. We should debate the $45 billion. We should debate whether it should be more or less. We should debate whether it should be paid for. We should debate what the result we should demand. The only way you're going to get that is, is if you change the rules and have the leadership to advance the rules to make sure that we can do that. Now, we nobody's had a clapping for that for two months to try to advance the ball. And we have had success in doing that. But we're not there. We're not at the place where we need to be to guarantee to guarantee that we're going to be able to stand up in the face of the swamp that continues to step over the American people on a daily basis and spend money we don't have and to continue to leave our borders open and to continue to fund bureaucrats that are stepping over the freedoms of the American people. Byron will stand up and do that. By so I probably have like 20 Byron people clapping right there. Of doing that. And importantly, when we're sitting here today and we continue this debate and we then have a vote, I just ask my friends on this side of the aisle, do you think that the American people support the status quo? Yes or no? Do you think that the American people want us to continue down the road of what we've been doing? Do they want us to continue to do the things since the leadership that's currently in place have been in place, do you think they want us to continue down that path? And the argument that I would make is that they want a new face, new vision, new leadership, and I believe that face, vision, and new leadership is Byron Donalds, and I'm proud to put his name into nomination, and I yield back. All right, so that's the fourth ballot. We now uh, know who the candidates are going to be. Don't know if the uh, numbers will look anything similar. Oh, there's Dan Bishop. He's clapping for uh, for Chip Roy from Texas for that nomination. I will continue to monitor. We're going to go deeper into this as well. Let me get Ralph on first here. Hello, Ralph. Welcome to the program. How are you? Ralph, uh, well, doing well, Pete. But uh, I know your show is about solutions. I'm here to offer one. You know it. We need to nominate and put in place of the speakership Donald Trump so he can implement these there you go. Uh, committees 
and and stand up, and maybe a few rhinos will have aneurysms, and we'll get we'll kill two birds. Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, and, oh, and I like the way you think because, like, what do you think when you think of Speaker of the House, right? Somebody who has to keep everybody loyal to him, right? And that's what Trump is all about. Right. So like he could I think he would actually I mean, you know, people are afraid of him. They're afraid of his tweets or I guess what is his truth socials now or whatever. Right. They're afraid that that he, he's going to go after them. I think he would actually be able to whip everybody in line pretty easily. That's a really good idea, Ralph. Well, and he'd also be an excellent fundraiser and everything. Oh, there you go. Uh, I mean, you know, I'll tell you what, we we just need. To get behind this and 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 push it forward, Pete, I'll I'll second the motion. There you go. All right, so maybe I'll you know what I'll send a I'll send out a tweet on that. Thank you, Ralph. I appreciate it. That Ralph is correct. We are all about solutions on this program. That sounds like a good one. Oh, for fundraising, he could do NFTs for every individual member of Congress. Right. I mean, with a small cut for himself, of course. But that's just how politics works. The fundraising angle on it, you know. So he he could make. The limited edition, I mean, they wouldn't be worth $99 a piece like the trading cards were for him, but, you know, $50, $49.99, and you could get your favorite Congress critter, uh, NFTs, uh, the little baseball cards. I think he's on to something. Ralph is brilliant. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, the email is Pete at com. Uh, right now, Hakeem Jeffries is the votainer. But they're still counting. He's got 36 votes for Speaker of the House. He is the Democrat from New York. And Kevin McCarthy, the Republican from... California, uh, he's got 33. And uh, I'm trying to find his name. Uh, Donald's is his last name. And he's the one, Byron is his first name. He is a Republican from Florida. And uh, he, right, he is the, he is Florida's third ever black Republican in Congress. And he was nominated uh, by uh, the, 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 the anti-McCarthy uh, group in the House. Chip Roy made the nomination. And uh, Donald's, interestingly enough, I was just talking with Beth Troutman um, when we were doing the studio handoff there when she was on her way out and I was coming in, and we were talking about this. Donald's was the one, he was one lawmaker, the only one who changed his position on the third ballot yesterday, Byron Donald's of Florida. So he was for McCarthy on the first two votes, and now, and then on the third ballot, he flipped. So like, this is one way this could go, right, where you get little by little by little by little, you get people breaking away because they're starting to read the writing on the wall, and they're like, McCarthy is never going to be able to get these people, and McCarthy is not apparently going to make any more concessions to the, the anti-McCarthy group. I don't know what you could, I don't know, again, all the machinations, I don't know what all the asks are, the stuff that we have been uh, told in in media reports, I don't know if all of those things are true, and I'm not sure which ones are red lines and which ones aren't, right? Some might be, 
you know, this is a bridge too far. I will not go for this. And some of them uh, maybe, all right, we'll just say, you know, like the five members. That was the original. The, remember the, so yesterday I mentioned this too. They want to be able to vacate the 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 chair. They want a motion to vacate the chair. In other words, they want to do to McCarthy or any Speaker of the House, they want to do what they did to John Boehner, which was what Mark Meadows did to Boehner a couple of years back. Congressman Meadows said, uh, I want to call a vote to vacate the chair, get rid of John Boehner. And then Boehner retired, remember? Well, that was because Boehner didn't have the support to stick around. That's the that, I mean, that's why you call that motion. They still vote on it, and you could you could put the motion out there and then survive the vote. And they wanted to go back to that rule. This these twenty members, they wanted to go back to that rule, but Pelosi had changed that rule. Seeing what had happened to John Boehner, she wanted to change that rule, so she got rid of it. And so now the Republicans want the the anti McCarthyites are like, I want to, uh, we want to bring that back in. And McCarthy's like, no. So his compromise, as apparently was negotiated by Jim Jordan, the compromise was, all right, five members. You get five members of Congress, five uh, representatives to come forward with a motion to vacate, and then you would be able to do that. But so there's the problem, because then we go through this again. So McCarthy now is like there are people that are saying just take, you know, uh, uh, take back all the concessions you gave them. These these 20 Republicans, they're like, you know, we want these concessions and we want more. We're almost there. Let's keep talking. And it seems like everyone else is like, no. Republicans were deadlocked. This is according to The New York Times. So this is you know hardly a right wing publication. Um, they're deadlocked over who would lead the new majority after Kevin McCarthy lost three votes for the top job as hard right lawmakers in open revolt dealt their party leader a humiliating setback and prompted a historic struggle on the House floor. So just to be clear, I want to make sure I understand this, New York Times, that it's only the 20 members of the anti-McCarthy faction. They are the hard uh, hard right lawmakers. So that means all of the other, the 200 other Republicans are not hard right. I just want to make sure I get the descriptions down. The mutiny waged by ultra ultra conservative lawmakers. Okay, so they are the hard right, ultra conservative lawmakers. So that makes everybody else in the Republican Party not hard right and not ultra conservative, according to the New York Times. They have held fast to their vow to oppose McCarthy, paralyzing the House on the first day of Republican rule. Delaying the swearing in of hundreds of members of Congress, putting off any legislative work, and exposing deep divisions that threaten to make the party's House majority ungovernable. After three, well, you heard Chip Roy before the news there, right? You heard, or before the break, you heard him explain that the system as it stands right now is broken. It's broken, and it it needs to be fixed. I remember hearing... Former Congressman Mark Walker talk about this with uh, uh, Brett Winterbull. You can hear him three to six here on WBT. And Walker was talking with Winterbull about all the things you have to do as a rank and file member 
like the fundraising things that you have to do, the the kickbacks to the party. And I don't mean it like an illegal thing, but whatever money you bring in, you've got to pony up. You have to pay, quote, dues to the party leadership and to their funds and stuff. You have to you've got to do things as part of that party, which, of course, then entrenches the powerful. Well, these guys are saying we're not going to play by those rules anymore. We don't want to play by these rules anymore. And we want to have debate. We want to bring the ability to bring motions to the floor and have it out and see if we can get support for stuff. And what the leadership is saying is, no, you don't get to make those proposals. Now, I understand Chip Roy's argument and the the, the 20 uh, anti-McCarthyites. I, I get that argument. On the flip side of this argument, though, is that you end up with people that are, mm, let's just say, Well, they're, they're, they're kind of crackpots, right? You end up with people that will run legislation that will propose a bill that will then, that, that is, you know, extreme, it's radical, it's silly, it's stupid, whatever. And it then prompts the media to stick a microphone in every other Republican's face and play D or D, defend or disavow, right? That's what they end up doing. And so in order to try to minimize that from occurring, they're like, Okay, we're going to tell you which bills come through. This happens at the General Assembly as well. The, if you introduce a bill that is going nowhere because the, the leadership doesn't want it to go anywhere, they just send it to a committee to die. Rules, I believe, is where it goes to die. And so they just send it off to the Rules Committee, and that's it. So I understand both of these arguments. There are pros and cons to both of them. I know, I know. People want, want clear, bright lines here. That's politics, man. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Denny uh, says a whoopee cushion sure would come in handy down in the House of uh, Representatives right about now. Would it not? What else could Republicans do to lose the confidence of the country? That's right. Well, I mean, a whoopee cushion. This was my idea earlier. A whoopee cushion that would you put it on the on the uh, the seats. And, but it wouldn't make a, a wouldn't make a toot sound. It would be. You know, I mean, maybe, okay, like a, it would, no, 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 it would not make a sound. It would just have a, a connection so this way you would know who's sitting in the chair so who's present. It'd be a way to take the head count rather than do it the way they do it, which is call out every single person by name and, you know, here, present, whatever. Or do a, like a, like eyeball head count, one, two, three, four. <clears throat> That's just, I mean, I know it's government, so it's not going to be efficient, but come on, people. Tim says, Pete, I think the Republicans are so stupid <clears throat> that they may well snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory, just like the past two elections. Yeah, never underestimate the Republicans' ability to uh, completely mess it up. Um, Jeff says, Pete, I am already a big fan of Congressman Chip Roy and Byron Donald. And then the New York Times calls those opposing McCarthy hard right and ultra conservative. Now I definitely want to see Byron succeed. <laughs> Jeff in Charlotte. Uh, and do, 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 and uh, the Hellion says, and Pete, this makes me wonder how we ever got Newt Gingrich. 
Maybe not as easy to tar and feather back then, maybe. I do like Chip Roy. Um, yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't know how this works out. I don't know all of the background, but all I can tell you is what I see in the press and what I hear them say. So the New York Times does this big piece where they call, yes, the anti-McCarthyites, ultra-conservative and uh, hard-right lawmakers. But after three fruitless votes yesterday and then the adjournment without a leader, they they come back today at noon. They've now opened it back up. Oh, McCarthy is now the he's the votainer. He's in the lead. He's got 120 votes. Jeffries has 115. All others have 13. And so that tells me that we're probably not going to have a speaker come out of this round of vote. That's the worst part. That's really the worst part is when you know that McCarthy hasn't clinched it. You still have to wait and count another 300 or so votes. <laughs> it's just come on. Can we not get some buttons in here just to press a button and be yes or no and move on? You could get through like 70 votes a day at that. Anyway, so now now comes the point where they're all going to. Uh, you hear that? Is that me? I hear some. Yeah, I hear somebody talking uh, and I don't know if it's going out over the air. It's very low. Uh, but I'm always sorry. Like I say that stuff on there because like I don't know what where the feed's coming from, and I'm afraid that they're going to say something bad. It's going to cost us our license or something. Anyway, here's the problem that the anti-McCarthyites have: is they don't have a viable challenger, and this is a big problem. Now, maybe over time, days, weeks, I don't know. Maybe over time, we end up in a situation where McCarthy loses so many votes that uh, that he drops out or that somebody else becomes viable. That's possible. I don't see it. Like I've heard Steve Scalise, he's being floated as a potential uh, speaker. Uh, he, he's got a little bit of a better score from like the American Conservative Union, the ACU score. He's got a better score, uh, but by like eight points. I think he's at like 94 and McCarthy was at like 86 or something. Um or 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 uh, Patrick McHenry, I saw like he could be like this dark horse uh, candidate because he used to be part of leadership and now he, he he's not. He was a whip, so people have worked with him, but now he's just you know been focusing on the financial services um, committee. So he might be somebody that emerges. I don't know, but I'm also seeing people say, "Look, McCarthy, you're not picking up any votes." Because th- this is where the struggle is occurring. Are you peeling votes one way or another? And once this is sort of, we, I've talked about this before, you've probably heard it, uh, the preference cascade, right? Or in terms of uh, uh, the first follower and the second follower, that type of, like you have the, there's a classic video, it's years old, where some kid dancing at an outdoor concert, like at uh, PNC Pavilion. Is that what it's called now? I mean, I'm. Back in my day, it was Verizon Amphitheater. So, or actually, it was Blockbuster. But anyway, um, PNC Amphitheater, the uh, PNC uh, uh, Theater, they're out there, guys dancing all alone. People are mocking him. Oh, look at how silly he looks dancing. But then somebody comes over and dances with them. And the first follower, they're important. Then another follower comes. That second one comes. And then you get the, quote, preference cascade where all of a sudden everybody wants to be part of it. And you could see it happening in the video at a rock concert. 
And that happens in economics, it happens in marketing, and all sorts of stuff. And so is that what we're waiting to see? Where does this break? Where does the cascade flow?